This is Fractal Marketing, the podcast for innovative entrepreneurs taking their product to market. Each show, we take an outside look at one company's marketing and discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, over to your host, Jared Doyle. Hi, and welcome to the episode. This week, I am joined by Louise Flynn. Louise is a B2B SaaS scale-up expert. I've known Louise for quite a few years now. Her work varies from lead generation via LinkedIn, as well as digital channels. She sort of enables sales tools, retention, product growth strategies. And Louise is also involved with Product Tank here in Brisbane, QUT, and she's an advisor to Sortal, who I know quite well as well. Louise, welcome to the episode. Thanks for having me. It does not take much for me to uh, take the opportunity to talk about great software marketing. (laughs) Well, you've picked a software brand and I sort of assumed this was going to be the case. I hadn't heard of this brand before. Kajabi or Kajabi, depends on how you're going to pronounce it, I guess, probably the same. I didn't know much about it, but now I know more because I've done some research. But for everyone listening who hasn't heard of it, Louise, what are we looking at here? Yeah, Kajabi is such an interesting brand because they're one of the beneficiaries of the COVID-19 move to online work and online sales and online knowledge transfer. So they're an all-in-one platform for digital entrepreneurs and small businesses to sell content and digital products online. They have some existing competitors, but they're very much much focused on supporting thought leaders that sell their courses online. So they have a very specific target market. They're bootstrapped largely, but they did receive some cash in November 2019. And you can see that they've, they really understand the business as they, they're scaled, but such an interesting marketing approach. Yeah. So people who are playing along at home, the website we're looking at is KAJ abi.com so um, check that out and have a look if you want to stop and have a have a look now's a chance to do it so you can join in the debate in your head as uh, well, I say debate maybe maybe Louise and I are going to agree on everything but I, I doubt that we've um, had enough conversations where we've had slightly differing opinions that sounds like we've had arguments that's not true at all we're just uh, a strong of ideas when it comes to marketing there's so, plenty of right answers in marketing isn't there <laughs> I love that that's almost a t-shirt. So, okay. Look, I loaded this up and I'm looking straight at sort of what it is. And it's really clear when you sort of get to their website that they're pitching this as, as you said, an all-in-one product. This is the idea that you don't need to have all these other tools. In fact, lots of their ads, the second row of their website is like pictures of Instacart and MailChimp and all these other tools. And you can WordPress, you can throw them all out because they don't matter anymore because you've got this one tool. Now, That strikes me as being a hard sell. And I think it's a hard sell because I just go, well, all of these tools are kind of the best in their own mind. Like they compete. So MailChimp just does that. You know, it does mail or it does a bit more than that now, but I still think of MailChimp as being mail only. WordPress does what it does. Wix, Wix does what it does. Instacart does what it does. How do you beat them? Like they've effectively said we're better than all of them because we're all in one place. How do you sell that, Louise? Because I, I, it makes me feel boxed in. Like I'm like, ooh, do I really want to commit to one brand? It's, well, like a, it's like a business marriage. Look, that's the challenge for brands that do a lot. 
that do a lot. And these guys are very clear about what they do. They're a, a full stack. So they've taken the use case or the person that they're helping and they've brought in all the features from all the different tools. And it looks like they could be replacing up to five to six tools. So that's a really complicated sell, particularly for a solo entrepreneur who maybe has a little bit of an understanding, maybe a website, maybe a, a mail tool. This is a really complex sell. And I think that's why I picked the marketing because I thought if you can sell this online, you've got to have an amazing, amazing focus in your messaging. You have to be really clear about who you're servicing and you have, you almost have to sell it for every tool that you're replacing as well as the end-to-end -end experience. So it's such a challenge of both brand and product marketing. And as you said, each time, each set of features, so the website pages that you build, the email automation, every feature set competes with someone who does it as their core business. So being able to sell the all-in-one or the, the problem and the full solution is an opportunity for them, but it's made up of so many different decisions which they have to compete against different brands on each one. So, as I said, I was so drawn to it because they're ma they're making people make such a complicated decision easy. So, you know, you, you mentioned there they've got to compete with each of these products in their own channel in their own right. I wonder if they do. I guess when I looked at it, I said to myself, if I was looking for an email platform or an e-commerce platform, transactional platform, an education platform, maybe I've already invested in three or four products. And and so, you know, me as a consumer, I hate being wrong. Like I, when I've made a decision, I'm all in. Like I buy exactly. a Mazda. I think Mazda's great. So do they have to compete with them or do they need to intercept these business owners, consultants earlier in the piece whilst they're still in that kind of flurry of, I don't know what's going on. And they go, don't worry about it. Just buy this one thing and you're done. Do you think they intercept really early in the kind of launch a business process? Or do you think they do actually go out and compete on a, on a channel by channel basis? Well, look, I think it's interesting at how their pricing positions themselves because they aren't cheap. You know, their cheapest tier is $120. So for you to justify it as your software outlay, $120 per month, you do need to be reasonably established. But I think you highlight a really important kind of disconnect with the marketing is that the pricing positions them for people that will have to replace a lot of legacy software, but their best opportunity is to talk to people early before they're having to make so many comparisons between five different softwares and one different software. But I guess the way they work around that is that they stay very solution focused. They stay, they mention the technology and the technologies they compete against probably a third of the time, but their message is very much about the benefits, the overall benefits and their role is kind of helping these people grow their online businesses. So I think for some who find the technology a little bit overwhelming, the aspirational brand messaging really brings them forward, brings them through and, and they begin to see the life with Kajabi in it. And they're so, what, what we'll talk a little bit further on, I think, is how much they leverage their, their current community to really forward the brand. It's a big takeaway. But I think you make a really interesting point about lining up your messaging with your pricing and whether you're hitting the right people at the right time. 
Yeah, and that's why, you know, for me, I look at the pricing, I look at what my, I mean, I would imagine my SaaS monthly bill is nothing compared to yours, but, you know, it's sizable. And so, obviously, if I could replace it for $120, $180 a month, that would actually be a massive saving for me. So, that's, I don't think that's so much the barrier, but I do find it interesting you know, when you go up against, like, for example, Squarespace or Wix in your marketing, because... I mean, Square. Uh, sorry, uh, yes, Squarespace takes exactly the same view. They they sell the hero, they sell the image, they've got the celebrities, they've really gone that the dream. So it's not Squarespace isn't sold on functionality as much as it's sold on the fun of having an e-commerce website. So I guess Kajabi's going in the same place. And then to you, to your point, you just made then is about the community and the people. Yeah, Squarespace obviously have gone celebrities, you know, who's on the Keanu Reeves and John Malkovich and these kind of celebrity brands. So what's Kajabi's approach? They obviously, I don't think they've got sort of A-grade Hollywood celebrities. How did, how did they approach the sort of um, trust element? So they've got a really interesting program to leverage their community. And it reminds me a little bit of the e-commerce platform sector where they're always leveraging the brands that are on the platform. So because they're so focused on the coach solopreneur, they've got a collection of them um, that all sit on the page with testimonials anywhere from, and they all seem to be kind of mid-tier coaches that all have an online course and they would have dozens of them. And on top of that, they have have a heroes program that they talk about where they're constantly sending out merch just to reward people for hitting certain revenue targets on the platform. So they're trying actively trying to engage the community and reward them reinforcing that same messaging about will help you grow your business. So they're leveraging a lot of those personalities throughout all the visuals of the website and through their trailing emails as well, the drip feeds of their emails. So all very much the same sort of coaches talking about sales enablement or LinkedIn or marketing strategy. It's interesting. So actually, when you talk about their target persona here, we're, they're, they're quite clear. So when I first looked at it, I didn't really make that distinction. But now that you highlighted it, they are. They're lawyers, they're accountants, they're, they're coaches, they're consultants. And so I guess what they've done is identified an entirely huge market Hence the reason why your opening line was, you know, they're the beneficiary of COVID-19. All these face-to-face consultants launching courses and books. And so what is it? It's in some ways, it's giving them the ability to run global businesses online, but also commercialize their content. Does that mean as much as they put up the front that they're, they say, oh, you know, we replace WordPress, Wix, Squarespace, blah, blah, blah. Actually, what they're competing against is the alternative online course providers, is that that's maybe closer to the actual market they're going up against? I feel like they looked at them to start off with and said, okay, a really broad-based learning management system like Teachable is pretty interesting product and it carries a lot of the same feature sets, but probably a lot easier, a lot deeper in terms of features. But they don't have enough of the business element. And I think Kajabi position themselves as saying it's not enough to be smart and have an amazing course because it's just a tree in a forest until you can market it. So we're a tool that gives you the additional features and the additional messaging so that people can land on your tool. And, and I, they've really positioned someone like Teachable as 
someone that competes with only part of what they do, which is pretty fascinating considering how successful something like Teachable is. I can see that. Like Teachable's the the process, but so many people launch programs on Teachable and then it's kind of like if they build if you build it, then they'll come. And people sit around going, when do people start buying my course that I've written? I, I would imagine and so what they're saying is actually writing the course is only part of it. What we're gonna do is help you grow the actual business behind it. So and then, you know, comparing what they charge to Teachable, actually it's it's relatively cheap so i think yeah interesting so maybe what they put out in front as what you're replacing isn't so much who they're competing against that's the way they make you feel good about what you're doing and you're making cost savings what they're actually doing is going up against other lms kind of platforms but providing the structure around it that'll actually let you grow your business interesting i like it i like it a lot yeah i guess the disconnect comes in whether the software is is whether they're actually understanding enough about the persona's interest in doing it themselves as well so kajabi is very much about you configure it and the the messaging doesn't cover a lot of that i'm not sure if they're clear enough about the fact that it still takes work they they have built some features in like pipelines but for the most part it is something you need to do and i'm not sure if the if the disconnect comes when someone understands the brand marketing, accesses the trial, and then sees that it's a lot of work to get started. So that's my kind of question mark is, do I think the brand stretches all the way into them actually being able to deliver on the promise? So interesting segue there, because I do wonder whether the community and the university that they build around that is part of that solution. Can you talk a bit about what they've done there? Because that seems to be a significant investment from their side. Yeah. Well, I mean, as as easy as setting up a hashtag (laughs) that allows people to share, but I think there's still a little bit more work for them to build a community that can interact and share with each other, as well as a really good way of keeping the cost of service down. It's such a good way, but I just don't see any way that they're, that they seem to surface the experience of all these people, but I'm not seeing where they're sharing with each other online. Uh, Maybe I'm missing it, but certainly people that do community better create a place for those people to speak. And I question whether whether that's on their, their roadmap. Yeah, it would be interesting to know what their churn rate is like, whether, you know, a lot of people are sort of signing up on a big plan, you know, I'm going to be successful, this is what I'm going to do, and then there's like a really big drop-off. Like I would imagine with Teachable, they actually have a lot of burn, a lot of people who invest heavily and imagine they're going to do something big and then discover actually it's really hard. And I, I think about Teachable, I think the biggest fallacy around something like Teachable is that you need to have an audience before the course. People think they build a course and then an audience and and really it's got to be the other way. So we don't know. We don't, well, obviously we're not this, <laughs> we're not Kajabi, so we don't know, but I would imagine their churn's actually pretty high. You know, that would probably even be even after people have paid, but let's, let's step one step forward to when people sign up and what that flow is. So it, they, they really push this 14-day free trial. That's obviously that in every Facebook ad, their posts, all across websites, 14 days. What's your take on their approach with that opening offer? Yeah, look, it's interesting. And on top of that, the free trial does ask for a credit card up front. Which is not unsurprising. I mean, we could talk, we could actually run a half an hour debate on whether you should put a credit card in the trial and how many days the trial should be. 14 days is interesting because 
yeah, hopefully you ideally a trial is a place where you can surface some of the promise. You can get into the trial, you can execute some of the small things that give you enough to go, yep, this is a good decision and I'm going to allow this to roll over and, and allow them to charge me. Yeah, so going back to the credit card entry, I think they are positioning themselves as people who target people in business, not thinking about building a business. Because the credit card is, you know, putting a credit card in your trial does create a lot of drop-off and friction. And then the 14-day trial, you'd hope that it's quite guided. You do have another access point for them, which is their video demo, which is very much screenshots of the product. So you do get a good idea of what the product looks like, but it, it all comes down to being able to execute. Yeah, 14 days. It feels short to me. Because in my mind, if they get it right, the lock-in is huge. So if I've committed to one platform and you're now running my my education, you're running my website, you're running my transactions, you're running my email, you're doing everything. How do I? Because wind back to what I started with, you know, me being a you know online SaaS kind of loving guy, I like plugging things together. I love the open SaaS community where everything connects together and Zapier sits and plugs everything together. So I'm, I'd be super nervous about committing to it. But in that, on the flip side, if I'm 30 days in, I'm 45 days in, and I've tied my whole business around that, that's now where it's hosted, I'm not going anywhere. So I, look, maybe I'm, I'm not, maybe their target market exactly, but it strikes me that 30 days, 45 days, actually, it really doesn't matter. You need someone to go live with their website. When they've committed, you've probably got them for a year or two at least. I don't know. My read on that is maybe they're not that confident, but then also I'm not really aware of how big their brand is and how many people are using it. They've got some big numbers on there, but have you got a sense of just how big they actually are and how many sites they're actually hosting? Yeah. Well, they were bootstrapped at first. So I think they're quite a niche player in the market and that's why they've chosen a a use case. And they've only really taken, as I said, money at the end of 2019. So for the most part, they were running largely as a service wrapped around a piece of software. But now they're really scaling. And I think that will challenge the way the way they think about the trial, because I, I agree. I think 14 days very short for you to see all the things you need to see, particularly if those things depend on setting things up or integrating with things. So it is an, a kind of a dilemma for them. Do they put it up to 30 days or a lot of e-commerce or, or a lot of platforms that they compete against are, are closer to 14 days, but that's because they do one thing. So configuring them and seeing their value, you can achieve in 14 days. But with something as kind of heavy as whether, you know, multifaceted as what they do, 14 days feels really short. And you'd hope that it's quite guided. It's quite guided so that you can, you know, you can walk through the process and actually achieve something in the end, uh, because it is a really big promise they make to help grow businesses. Yeah, I was just trying to work out. So I went back to their homepage just to get an idea. And I remember they had a big number at the front. It was 50,000 businesses and over 10 years, which are both big numbers to make you feel, you know, that there's trust and there's scale and everything. And now my first assumption is the 50,000 is the 50,000 who've signed up, you know, so who they've helped. They've helped everybody who's done even the free trial. And so my, my marketing brain goes, well, let's start breaking that down. Now, obviously, they've got a growth curve there. But even if we split it out, that's 10 years means it's 5,000 a year. We'll call it 50 weeks in a year. That means it's 1,000 
a week. So they're signing up on, yeah, they're signing up 100 and something. We'll call it 150 a day. Obviously, their run right now is obviously going to be much faster. But it's actually, yeah, you're right when you said a niche play. It's not that many. You know, 150 free trials a day for a scaled up business is not, it's not ridiculous. So it's, it's very doable to get to that number. I guess the thing for them is their lifetime value would be would be huge. So we can we can kind of work that out. I wanted to delve into some of the stuff. Have you seen any of their acquisition strategies, what they're doing? Like how do they get out in front of people so they get recognized? Because I did a quick background search on their SEO and almost all their traffic is brand traffic, which means that they're doing marketing, they've got brand, they've got people coming back. But there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a backbone of content you know, SEO content for Google anyway that was out there. So then I'm like, okay, I'm a bit stuck. First question for, for Lou is going to be, where do you think they're intercepting people? Where are they putting their messages and how are they doing their targeting? Yeah, look, it's really interesting because I signed up for one of their competitors as well, Kartra, and their their acquisition drip feed for me as someone who's just touched their content was amazing. It was the five ways to do X and it basically did onboarding as a drip sequence. With Kajabi, I've tried to find every way to touch them that isn't the trial and they're not giving me any targets. They're allowing me to watch a video and I can go to their social media feeds. But they don't, their content marketing, as you said, is really small, which surprises me so much because you'd have to think that at least part of their ability to scale is to interest people that are great at what they do and are not technically savvy at all and are scared off by platforms like this. So the education mm. play would have been such a good way to bring people in. So I, other than some paid search and their social media and their advocates, I don't see a lot of, uh, of marketing outside the web website. And I wonder why that is, whether... They just were used to being bootstrapped and they hadn't, they haven't built a big enough funnel, acquisition funnel with enough kind of different aspects to it. But yeah, I'm so surprised that they're so light on content marketing and certainly that education play. And I think that's something that's going to hurt them down the track because of the fact that they seem to be aiming for the low hanging fruit. So both people that fit within their persona, but the part of the persona, which is they're comfortable with technology and they're willing, they've established enough business to weigh the risk and reward of implementing something like Kajabi. But there's plenty of people out there that run very good coaching businesses that are not interested in technology and it would take them some time and effort to do. And they're not really being educated that they can go from a, a multi kind of stack environment having multiple software packages, they might not even do it themselves to these all-in-ones. So uh, I think that's a real challenge for them as they scale. Yeah, you do wonder whether or not actually a lot of their stuff might be through partnerships and offline because that's the target market they have to reach. So, you know, so a bit of snooping on their Facebook while you were chatting and I can sort of see, look, they're running a, they're running some ads, which I can't tell, but I assume they're retargeting and trying to get people to come through. So, they, you know, they're dropping Facebook pixels. So it looks to me like they're using some kind of retargeting. And actually, really interestingly, I noticed that some of the retargeting, I'm assuming the retargeting ads have got 14 day trials. Others have got the 28 day trials. So ah. they've probably got like a little staged funnel happening there. So they're obviously open to the idea of 28 days or more. So, you know, one of the little tricks of sort of looking in there. But it is very much, 
I've reading one line there. When it comes to our online success, Kajabi means business. Start your 28-day free trial. It still is that front message. It's not getting into any details. It's just, as you said, sell the dream. And I guess if you are a consultant, a business person who's always just been, oh, I need to do a website or I want to do this or I want to commercialize what I'm doing online, that's the pitch. And But, you know, I still I still struggle. So I still wonder, you know, is it an affiliate program? Is it like a multi-level thing where there's people doing their own promotions and that's how, how the word's getting out there? And I guess one specific question for you would be, well, how did you find out about it? Because <laughs> you obviously found it somewhere. So do you remember at all where you first heard about them? Oh, it's been an interesting journey, but I sought them out. I didn't. They didn't find me. So I'm technically probably someone that sits within their persona, probably outside of their geographical targets. So I was, I'm a coach and consultant, and for a while I've been thinking about whether I was going to productize some of the things that I do and make them easier to access. So I was looking at all the software categories that kind of covered that and hit some LMSs and then started to see some of these full stack offerings coming through. But it was also word of mouth. So going to other coaches' courses and watching what they're doing and their experience and then searching on built with what they were using and going, oh, I've never heard of that. And then going to see it. And then they're not pursuing me either. I'm not being retargeted, which is is a bit disappointing because I I feel like I should be being chased around the internet. I still think I'm their target persona. But yeah, it was an And I guess that's also the challenge too, that with something like WordPress or even the e-commerce websites, they have the challenge of, they have the ability, those guys use word of mouth through channel partners. So website developers or specialty e-commerce consultants. I wonder if these guys have found a channel because it's very light on the direct marketing and they are absolutely amplifying through their community but they don't seem to have a channel program that I can see where they're incentivizing people that are helping the type of coaches and consultants that don't want to touch the tech stack at all. Yeah, so it's very interesting how they've built it. Yeah, I can't see a huge amount. And and like I said, you know, their external-facing blog doesn't have a huge amount of traffic towards it, which is for a 10-year-old site, that's not normal. You know, normally you see a lot more coming through. So I'm a little bit surprised about that. But like you said, sometimes people, sometimes snooping works. You know, people sort of look and, you know, so maybe they've got the old viral tricks of, you know, powered by Kajabi at the bottom of emails or websites. And, and so maybe people are sort of clicking and copying off celebrities. You know, maybe what they do is, you know, get a hero person on the platform find all the people that follow that hero or that celebrity business person and then hit them up. So you might, you might sort of say, okay, Louise, you've got a, a dedicated audience of 100,000 people who follow everything that you say. So you can be our you know, micro-influencer and they put you on a little program, promote to your audience, you get a cut, they get a cut. I've seen nothing to say that's what's happening, but that's probably what I would well, do. Particularly since there. there's a lot of coaches of coaches and consultants, which which are now uh, coming out. So it'd be the perfect package if you coached consultants on how their business, how to build their business, and then uh, on sold something like Kajabi as a recommendation and got a cut of that. Interesting. Yeah. So there's some really interesting takeaways about their marketing, about how big you have to build a funnel to build the business, how much you can promise 
and how how you need to kind of check that that promise lines up with the persona because if you pick a very specific persona that promise has to really land you can't really build a, you know the huge dream it's got to be so relevant and they seem to be targeting a persona which is business driven coaches and consultants who offer their tools online if you're buying a platform, you might not know the answer to this, but other themes and the websites and the emails, do they have a developer community that sits behind that that they're able to use? Or, or we're not sure? No, I don't think we're sure about that. Uh, they've built right. a lot in, but they haven't opened it up at the back end in the same way that WordPress or even Shopify have opened it up to a community at the back end. So not only have a partner community, but a, a developer community, therefore creating this huge kind of amplification mm. of their brand across so many different touch points. Because, I mean, again, you know, what would I do? You know, we spoke about taking some sort of micro-influences or micro, what's, what's in between micro and macro-influences? Anyway, middle yes. middle influences, you know, so yes. enough of a following and amplifying to their audience. But, but actually... When I think about where do I start, where does a business consultant start their journey? It's usually I need someone cheap, air quote cheap, to build me a website. And so you get, you hit up that community, you saturate the sort of, and it's going to be largely sort of Southeast Asian um, freelancer community. But you sit there and you go, you can pitch to a website, build a website three or four hundred bucks, but we'll give you a drip, you know, commission base. So basically build the website forum on Kajabi so it looks amazing and then hand it over to them and they go, this is where I build it. And then you go, oh, you can earn 50 bucks a month for as long as they go, which could dwarf what you actually were going to charge them for doing the work. And then you've got templates and updates. So, you know, again, if I was in their position, I'd be looking to launch an army of people who can build on their platform because it's quite bespoke. And that potentially would be a source. But that's why I was asking whether you knew. And I haven't been in close enough because, you know, a bit like you're like, oh, well, I would have done a free trial, except they wanted a credit card. So maybe maybe that vetting process actually works. So, yeah. So, look, I think there's some interesting tactics, whether they do them or not. I think definitely that kind of influencer side makes a lot of sense. My assumption is they're going to have to get into the dev community because if they don't, they're going to end up being limited. Like, you're just going to end up with everyone's website looking the same. So, they probably have to tap into that. I guess what else have we got that we could we can go through? Were there other things that you spotted that you wanted to quickly touch on while we chat today? Yeah, I think that for people who are listening to us because they are a software founder or a software team, product marketing is one of the, the most important things, being able to communicate so many different aspects of the product really seamlessly. So they've got their brand marketing, their big brand promise about growth, but I actually think they're a really good example of product marketing. They really do take what is a lot of different feature sets and break them down quite quite quickly and validate them with testimonials. So on the homepage, they've got the full view of in each panel, we do X and this replaces Y and this is why this works for you. And then you can dig a deep, deeper into the, the feature sets on individual pages. So I think that's really interesting because it is quite a big decision to make with so many different aspects of the software that part of what that the brand promise can only stretch so far and some people just want to answer specific questions and you need that product marketing to come through underneath it and answer those questions and position their features. So I actually thought they were a really interesting example of good product marketing covering a lot of bases and that's um, 
you know, a, a lot of people are running software that has a very specific remit. But for those who run software that are full featured, that are all in ones, this is a really good example of all in one software. I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it, it certainly is an interesting example of how how you can just hit the key points, stay, you know, cut, you know, position yourself. And they're very good at the X and Y comparisons. So they're happy to say we would replace the following software, which I think is quite interesting in itself because a lot, I think people would fight me on that. Most people would say to me, in my marketing, I would never talk about my competitors. And yet they give so much real estate to what would be perceived as a competitor for that feature set. So uh, I say good on them for the product marketing. I, I think it's still a really tough decision to make. And I think content, websites really are the only place that they're sharing that content. So their problem is less about the messaging and the, and the content. It's more about the fact that it's not in a lot of vehicles and those vehicles aren't really coming at you. Yeah, I look, you know, props to them for having a go. I think uh, picking a fight with so many big brand businesses that are playing in that same space, that just scares me as a marketer. <laughs> like picking a fight with, with Wix and Squarespace and MailChimp and Instacart and WordPress and everyone, you just sort of go, oh dear, like that feels like that's, that's, you know, you can imagine that brief and I just be like as a marketer going, oh, that feels really tough. But as we've said, I think if you can get in early, and you can sort of put them all together and you almost like you create the chaos by suggesting all these things, then yeah, I, I can see they've got an argument there. I'm still, I'm going to dig around more to work out exactly how, well, I'm trying to work out exactly how they, they drive their audiences in there. I've been clicking around YouTube. They've got lots of videos on YouTube, but the views aren't big enough to suggest it's a really high paid acquisition channel. Though I think there are people that, you know, you and I, like you said, you know, you reference built with and obviously we would use that to work out who it is, but I would suggest their target persona has no idea how to use built with to work out what platform they should be using. So, Absolutely. Not um, if they want any sort of scale. They do need that no. persona to cover both people that are, you know, technically savvy and people that are like, no, I'm good at what I do, which is talking about finance or personal branding and I don't have much of an idea. I've got someone else to do all that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. But I do think, I think, you know, the point you made at the start is it's a really interesting market. I think it's definitely a growth space. And so playing into that, whether, you know, whether we sort of are all in on the idea of competing with the world or not, the reality is it's a growth space. There are lots of people trying to, to transform themselves. And then, look, there's a lot of redundancy. So there's a lot of people who are leaving corporate jobs and finding themselves, I'm going to go out on my own, but I don't know the first step. So look, I think it's a great market. I think it's an interesting position. I have my doubts about how it might play out, but I think there's some opportunities there with developers, themes, influencers. Like we've said, I think a little bit more content marketing wouldn't go astray yeah. for a 10-year-old domain. I think positioning's where it's at too. Mm. Like I, I really, I think it as a takeaway for people, the idea that you can be only one thing to only one type of person must much scare people. But I actually think it makes things so clear. This is my persona. All my communication, whether it's brand-level marketing or product-level marketing, is about this person. And I'm okay if someone comes to the website and it's not this persona or similar to this persona. This is the business I'm in. This is becoming a highly competitive market. It competes with so many different tools in so many different characters 
And I think instead of trying to kind of be everything to everyone and not being able to secure any of the market, they've just decided on the type of person that's interesting to them. And they, by by sheer luck, I guess, in the last 12 months, have been one of the beneficiaries of the world changing to more of an online interaction. I don't know about you, but I've probably done six online challenges and courses this year (laughs) that are either in Kajabi or another tool. I've been so devoid of any learning that I've I've hit so many 14-day challenges, so many courses. You're speaking to someone who's seven days into a sprint of no booze. So (laughs) I totally know where you're coming from. Absolutely. So I think that they're, they're just hitting the right wave and it's, they're probably the 10 year old startup of 2000. And you know, this is their 10th year. Someone saw the potential for it because there obviously was this trend and then COVID's just escalated this whole opportunity. And it's, I guess, whether they still stay to their guns and still stay to their niches or whether they think there's other use cases because the world is going so online that they think, oh, well, maybe I can differentiate, maybe I can expand my my horizons. But I would tell them, you know, build your defendable space. You've got a very clear understanding of who your people are and, and don't try and go out too far from there unless you'll spend a lot of money attracting people that you can't uh, gauge the promise for. And and you and I both know that software, great software marketing is the subscription or the trial is really only month one. It's not, it's, it, you know, it's the point in which they've made a commitment, but it's not a sale. Until they pay back their lifetime value, we're still waiting to see if they're the right type of people. So marketing to, marketing to anyone and, and, and taking the kind of wins as how many trials, as you said, early churn is, is as dangerous as late. You really want to build a community of people that are staying on the platform that you can leverage for future opportunities. So Kajabi in the last two days has released a product called Kajabi Access, which is really new. It just came out through their email thread. And this one is another $99 a month. And it's very much customer success focused. So you have to be really confident in your marketing that you've attracted the right type of people that stay on the platform and now you're going to try them for a different type of subscription set called Kajabi Access. I mean, I love it. It's the extreme sport of marketing. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. It's um, it's always a bit dangerous, especially when you've put yourself out as an all-in-one product as well. So all-in-one product, and then you can buy this extra thing that's behind the scenes. So brilliant. Well, look, I've enjoyed the chat, Louise. If people would like to get in contact with you, follow you online, see anything else, other sort of thought bombs that you might have, where are the best places to find you? The single best place to find me is on LinkedIn. So looking up Rulu Marketing or Louise Flynn on LinkedIn, that's where all my thought bombs go on software, software marketing, software sales enablement. LinkedIn itself is such a great platform at the moment. So I spent a lot of time talking about that. So all those nuggets of insights, including probably a conversation about Kajabi is going to head on to LinkedIn after we go live. Fantastic. Lou, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that'll really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. 
those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking to you next week.